0: Dan is coming to read to you the scripture for today, and we have been launching into this fall with a reflection on spiritual gifts. Uh, We've been thinking about what they are, about how they can impact our life, and we've been looking at the passage of uh, 1 Corinthians 12, which is one of the key passages in the New Testament that talks about spiritual gifts. Today, I'm going to expand that and move us over a little bit to Romans 12. And so I'm asking Dana to read to you the first eight verses of Romans 12 as you hear the Apostle Paul continue to think about and talk about spiritual gifts.
1: I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members... And not all the members have the same function. So we, who are many, are one body in Christ. And individually, we are members of one another. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given us, prophecy in proportion to faith, ministry in ministering, the teacher in teaching, the exhorter in exhortation, the giver in generosity generosity, the leader in diligence, the compassionate in cheerfulness. This is the word of God for the people of God.
0: Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, continue now to move in our midst as we hear these words from Paul and as we receive the stirring of your Holy Spirit in our hearts and our lives, that by so hearing we may respond in faith. And become quite literally the gifts that you've always intended us to be by your grace, for your purpose, and in your name. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. We have been talking about spiritual gifts for a couple of weeks now. And yet I'm discovering that some people are still a little bit confused. Some people still aren't quite sure what their spiritual gifts are. And some people have taken spiritual gifts and understood them in, well, a peculiar way. I invite you to take a look at the screen to see one who's struggling to understand their spiritual gifts. Do I play hard? Yeah. Do I win?
2: Usually. My name is Charlie Parker. And my spiritual gift is dodgeball. When you ask Michael Jordan how he got to where he is right now, he'd say he practiced, practiced, practiced.
1: Hey, Charlie, somebody called for you.
2: He might say some other things, but the main thing would be practice. And that's what I do, I practice. I practice at home, I practice at work, I practice at school, I practice when people aren't looking and when people are looking.
0: Hey Charlie, I have
2: an apple for you. Here, catch. And that's what makes me unique. Key to being a good dodgeball player is to be agile, like a spider monkey. Ironically, that's our team name. One of my moves is called the Wing Duck and the Conspiracy Theory. God gave some people the gift of compassion, some people the gift of love. He gave me the gift of dodgeball, and I'm going to use that unto him, dodgeball. Do outstanding deeds, go everywhere, be all, dodgeball. Hey, listen, Charlie, man, lots of paper here, got a stapler? The worst place to get hit is not the head, but the heart. Some people in.
0: Charlie Parker has a problem. Charlie Parker has more than a few problems, actually, I'm thinking. But the one problem I want to point out today is he's struggling to figure out spiritual gifts. I actually did a very in-depth evaluation, reflection, and scriptural study over this last week, looking at both the Aramaic and the Greek, And in no place does Jesus say dodgeball is a spiritual gift. I'm just saying. But to try to figure out spiritual gifting can be challenging. And it gets confusing because we have talents and we have passions like Charlie does for dodgeball. And we think, well, that's our spiritual gift. But if we take a look at the scriptures, we begin to discover that our spiritual gifts are those particular things not necessarily that we immediately love to do like draft fantasy football, but rather those things that God has placed in us that can only be ignited by the Spirit of God for the purpose of God in the world and blessing others and blessing the church and honoring Christ. Everybody, everybody has a spiritual gift. The scriptures are quite clear about that. And quite frankly, I'm clear about it after these years of ministry and discovering the joy that people have when they find out what is it that thing or those things that God has placed in them that they can bring that are unique and blessed and wonderful to the church and to the world. Every person, every person has spiritual gifts. When I say that to you, does that excite you? Or make you wonder, really? Do I? Oftentimes it's difficult to own the fact that we have spiritual gifts because there's so much in the world that tells us we're not particularly gifted or that pushes us to embrace gifts that really are not very spiritual. But the scriptures are clear. We are all given these gifts as building blocks that are meant to come together to create a complete church, first of all. The Apostle Paul was writing to disciples, to early congregations here in Romans. And so he's writing specifically in the context to disciples of Jesus Christ. He's trying to help them discover how they can come together and create what was not yet even fully created yet, which is what we now call the church. And so, and so speaking, we've often talked about spiritual gifts as those things that God has gifted people to do to build the church. And that's true. But can I confess to you that for a lot of my life, there's something about that that sounds very self serving? Of course, I want you to identify your spiritual gifts because I want you to help create a stronger church. But is that all? And as I've really struggled with that over the years, it is going back to Scripture, particularly in 1 Corinthians 12, where I found some help. It says in 1 Corinthians 12, that these gifts have been given to each of us for the common good. For the common good. Well, what is the common good? Is it just the church? Let me ask you this question. Why does the church primarily exist? Is it to serve those who are in the church or to serve the world? Think about that answer for a second. Does the church exist primarily to serve the people in the church or to serve the world? The answer is not always... To us, is it? How many of you think the church primarily exists to serve the church? How many of you think the, world, the church exists to serve the world? Now, that's not surprising in this congregation you would answer that way. And yet, you and I both know that we come to church not only to serve the world, but quite frankly, to have our own needs met as well, right? A large part of why we're here today has to do with our own needs. We want to be here to see our friends. We want to be here to be in worship. We want to share in celebrations of those who have served well in our midst. We want to spend time with each other. And if there's crisis or joy in our life, we want the church to come around us, don't we? Part of that is the work of the church. And you and I both know, is this a secret to you that there are times in our history and even in our present life where you can find examples of the church in this world serving itself more than the world. Did you know that? It's possible. One of the teachers that I was studying under not long ago said it this way. In answer to the question, are we called to serve the church or serve the world? Some folks are wanting to say both. And I get that. I mean, part of my life, part of my work, part of my evaluation is based on my ability to do both as your senior pastor. When I get reviewed by SPRC, if I'd spent all of last year serving the world and didn't show up here, how do you think that evaluation would go? Some of you would wish I would move towards that, but that's another conversation. But this teacher said this. If you ever hold together these two things, serving the church and serving the world as equal, this is institutional truth of the church and every other institution. When pressured, when in strife, you will always default to serve yourself first. It's a human and institutional truth. So if the fact is that we are called to serve the world, and you all just said that, and if we believe that that's what we have to put out there in the forefront of what matters the most, then I ask this question, is it possible to think that spiritual gifts is not about just building a better church? It's about serving the world when we are out in the world. In other words, George, your spiritual gifts are measured not only when you're in the sanctuary, but when you're at work. When you're... Out there, Alan, doing the work that you do. It is not just what you do here in the hallways. It's how your spiritual gifts in your work, or as a husband or as a father, are measured and brought to the forefront. When we think about our spiritual gifts, we need to think about how can we take those things within us that God has placed and make me more effective? And being the person to the world and the places and the people we love beyond the church community. You see, this is not a conversation just for the church. It's a conversation for the world because the world would be better served if we were out there using our spiritual giftedness. The problem, of course, is that some of the spiritual gifts are very churchy words. So you wonder, well, how can I use those out in the world? For example, a spiritual gift is prophecy. How do you use that out in the world? Go ahead and stand up in the classroom next week and say, "I believe this about the future," and see what people say about you." But what if you understood prophecy in this way? Prophets do not predict the future but they offer insights and perspective on current conditions and how things might turn out if they aren't changed. If you had the ability to do that, if you had the ability to see things for as they really are and bring your voice to that, not with bias, but with truth, would that make you a better spouse? Would it make you a better worker if you could see how things really were and lay out the truth so that maybe there'd be the opportunity for transition and change? Would that make you better in those positions? I think so. See, prophecy can be a spiritual gift that's easily, easily applicable outside of the church. What about exhortation, which is a spiritual gift? Well, what is it to exhort? What is it to exhort somebody? Encourage. To encourage. Right. so what if your spiritual gift of exhortation is really played out this way so that in the places where you move next week you're the one who brings a word of encouragement not pie in the sky la la land but rather seeing the best in others and encouraging them do you see how that could be helpful and if you knew that that was one of your spiritual gifts if you walked into that setting bringing that you have already changed the environment and gifted others around you. What about compassion? Some people have the spiritual gift of compassion, and I want to say a word about this. How does it sound when you say, I don't have the spiritual gift of compassion? Well, what a jerk. (laughs) Right? And don't you all want to be able to say you have that spiritual gift? Because if you don't, it sounds like you're just cold-hearted. But what if you really got into understanding that to have the spiritual gift of compassion is not to say that others don't have compassion, but rather it says that when something happens, your immediate default stirring within you, initiated by God, is not to say, could I help, but rather immediately begin to find ways to help. You're that person. And knowing that, would that not change how you enter into a space and how others can learn to depend upon you? To be able to figure out our spiritual gifts is a gift to the world and to those we are in relationship. This last week, Reverend Hal gave a class on Wednesday three separate times, one hour each teaching people who came once to find out about their spiritual gifts. 26 people came during that time. That, I was really excited to hear that, to discover about their spiritual gifts. A couple other folks talked to me about it during the week in a casual, more casual conversation. I want to give you a chance. If you're so interested to in find out about your spiritual gifts, well, you won't have to even come to a class. All you have to do is go to the church website. It's on there right now. And look where it says, Finding Your Spiritual Gift, and it will lead you to a link on the United Methodist Church website. Click on it. It's going to take all of about 10 minutes to answer 21 questions. The best answer that fits you to each question of those 21. At the end, it will list out for you the spiritual gifts. What are your most significant, strongest. Listing all of them, though, so you can see how they break out. And then, if yours comes up with a phrase that seems odd to you, you don't know about, click on it, and it'll give you a paragraph description about what this could be without using a lot of churchy language. Go to the church website I invite you to do it. Write me an email, I'll send it to you. Why does it matter? I think it matters for three reasons. Knowing your spiritual gift reminds you of who you are. Reminds you, wherever you are this week, that you are a gifted child of God. And specifically, so, you know some things that you're really good at when the Holy Spirit serves within you that you can bring to the, lot, the situations of your life. Two, it reminds us that we have a purpose. You're not just taking up space in a room or a classroom, in a work environment or even the church. You have a purpose. Share the spiritual gifts with others. And three, when we share our spiritual gifts, we quit living alone on an island. We become connected to others. We become part of a larger community. And When we live out our spiritual gifts in the church, the church is strengthened, but when you live your spiritual gifts out in the world, sometimes church just breaks out. You become an agent of God's grace in a way that begins to call others to live out their spiritual giftedness as well. I've seen it happen. So, if you think this conversation about spiritual gifting is only about the church, I contend to you today it is not. It is for the common good. The motto of the United Methodist Church is this to make disciples for the transformation of the world. Well, how are we going to transform the world? By using our spiritual gifts by allowing ourselves to be agents of God's grace wherever we go, when we deploy from here in a few moments, you become ambassadors for Christ, gifted in unique ways to change the lives of others around you. And if you don't think that can't change your family, think again. If you don't think that can't change your work environment, I invite you to try practicing your spiritual gifts. You see, here's what the... Charlie Parker in the video had right. You're not great at your spiritual gifts right as soon as you discover them. They get better the longer you practice them, the longer you learn about them and delve into them. And when you spend your life living out your spiritual gifts, it doesn't matter where you are, it becomes a part of just who you are in every environment. Faye Dowling was a member of the very first church I served, and uh, Fay was a quiet guy, sweet man, and he had a spiritual gift of exhortation. When when he discovered that, <laughs> he was quite embarrassed because most people think about exhortation as someone who talks a lot. Fay didn't talk a lot. Fay was real quiet. But he lived with that knowledge for several years. And then Faye contracted cancer. And he went through the series of tests and went down that journey that some of us are all too familiar with. Until Faye ended up in Tecumseh Hospital. There in that hospital room, with all of the challenges he was facing, all of the physical uncomfort and pain he was experiencing, all of the prognosis that he knew was real about him, what emerged was not sadness. Nurses began to fight over who had faith. Because whenever they came into his room, he had an encouraging word for them. He cared about the people who came into the room to take care of him, and always in greater proportion, because he'd been living and practicing that spiritual gift with intentionality. And even in his final days and his final hours, I watched as I sat by his bed and there could not stop gifting those who came to him. Even in the moments of his death, his spiritual gift changed not only how he died, but it transformed the lives of those who came to be with him, including mine. God has given us spiritual gifts for the common good. It is my deepest prayer that you seek after your spiritual gifts and do not be bashful at bringing them forward for the transformation of the world hangs in the balance to the extent that we participate with God. Thanks be to God. Amen.